0: The verdict is in. Patrick Graham will be Joe Judge's defensive coordinator. We break down the hire with New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz, recap the divisional playoff games, and preview championship weekend. We also chat with a legendary Super Bowl champion head coach, Dick Vermeil. All that and more next on Blue Rush with the New York Post. <laughs> Welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Paul Schwartz and Dick Vermeule join the show today. Let's talk some football, baby. Well, it was a banner week of playoff football, especially if you were producer Jake Brown's bookie. I know that guy enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, where do we start, Jake Brown? Aside from the knee
1: replacement and the pirate patch you have over your eye, uh, good to see you, first yeah. and foremost. The, the pirate patch is from the gambling. The kneecap is from working out with Dr. Oz on Thursday, where I clearly was in a, a different class of my own. A class of my own meaning my chin was too large and my arms were too small and my legs <laughs> were not strong enough. You took a beating, man. Yeah. You You went full Lamar Jackson on us. And just
0: bottomed Ooh. out, man. How many people had to rip up a breathless puff piece they had already written Saturday morning, thinking they could just mail it in with some updated stats on, uh, Saturday night? Nobody saw that shutdown coming.
1: <sighs> Unbelievable.
0: But you want to know something? I mean, we look at we, you know we'll get to the next week's matchups, the uh, league championship games. It's hard to bet against a team like the Titans at this point. They've gone into New England and beaten New England. We were like, okay, they were old, they were going downhill, but they physically beat the pants out of Baltimore at the line of scrimmage on Saturday. And I don't know that you can bet against them at all going forward. They might. They look like the team for
1: now. Well, what's funny, Jimmy, is that we laughed at the Titans using Marcus Mariota as yeah. the RPO option in practice. But clearly it worked, it worked because they contained him at every level. He couldn't make a pass. He couldn't run like you. I mean, they stopped him nonstop. And what the key was, they forced turnovers. Look at the amount of yards that the Ravens had. The Ravens had so many more yards than the well, Titans, but they kept turning him at all, turning him over. That it forced them to win.
0: And it helps that um, Derrick Henry played like Bo Jackson in Tech Mobile. Guy was averaging nine yards a carry at one point. He threw for a touchdown. He's
1: the new beast mode.
0: Yeah, he is. He's playing in another world right now. He's on another level, a men amongst boys type of thing. And uh, I don't know. They might be. You know, this happens. Teams playing the wild card round, go on the road and win three times. The
1: Giants did it. We see six teams, six seeds get to the Super uh-huh. Bowl. It's not and, the first time it's happened. And,
0: and if anybody knows how to lose a league championship game at home, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Who, you know, talking about that game. That's why you don't bet football, you know? I'm not even talking about you specifically, but if you took the Titans yesterday, you're getting 10 by most books. You're up 24 to nothing. You have played the theme song from the Jeffersons, sent a drink to every girl at the bar. Things
1: are looking up. I'm tweeting, you know, I I think I tweeted. I'm surprised I haven't got old takes exposed yet because they've already got me about 10 times in my life that uh, if you bet uh, Chiefs minus 9.5, you're pretty dumb considering... Uh, you know, how close the Texans are going to keep this game. And look at us now, blah, 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 it's 24-0. Oh, I texted a friend of mine who worked with the Texans. I said, I don't want to speak too early, but you must be jumping for joy right now. Oh, man. And she's like, oh, God, this is amazing. And then, like, today I said SMH. Three touchdowns. <laughs> three touchdowns
0: in three minutes and 24 seconds. At one point, uh, going into the second half, they had scored five touchdowns in 12 minutes of game clock. Like, stunning, the kind of things you would see if, like, old-school Steve Spurrier was playing the Citadel and they were just doing bananas, you know, flea flickers and stuff on the old Florida Gators. It was crazy. It was like a video game.
1: The Texans were a Bill O'Brien away from losing. And guess what? Who their head coach is. Yeah, it happens to be go. Bill O'Brien. That stupid, fake punt <laughs> in your own territory. After, like, you do that after fourth and one. You're up 21 nothing. Put the hammer on them. Go yeah. for it on fourth and one. You're going to tell me you're not going to go for it on fourth and one, but then fourth and four from your own 30, you're not eh. only going to go for it, you're going to do a snap run, not even like a punt pass oh, or like some ugly. trickery. You, you got to say, though, he could have easily ran to the outside of him there. He had plenty of room. You it was a bad think. run, but it's just a, a terrible time to do but, a fake but punt.
0: But a weird gamble. Uh, on the other side, uh, on the NFC side of town, I know uh, a lot of people, took a real hit in the nuts yesterday on the line on that Packers game. Half
1: a point, bro. I had Seahawks plus four and a half, and it was five. <laughs> Couldn't even get a damn push. Couldn't even push me off into the weekend. Like, no, give me a savings no. of $50.
0: No. And you want to know something? The Packers wanted to lose that game, but they kind of steadied the ship in the fourth quarter. Because the one thing about the Seahawks, man, that team keeps coming. I give them a lot Russell of credit. Wilson. I give Russell Wilson oh. so much credit. They're a great team. I enjoyed watching Marshawn Lynch run again. But I'm not sold on the Packers. And you know who else isn't sold on the Packers? The bookies. Yeah. You look at that NFC championship line, uh, San Francisco laying seven. We yeah. both heard that line this they're morning. Like, We're like, what? That's crazy high to me. And Titans- I know they've got a great pass rush and you know.
1: Yeah. Titans Chiefs seven and a half makes sense. Seven is a little high, but again, it shows you every Packers game is close. It comes down to the wire. Russell Wilson almost let a magical comeback yet again with a team that's not as good as the Packers are. The Packers are stacked and they're healthy and we know how the Seahawks have dealt with injuries all year long. So that was a little bit of a high number, but it shows you, man, that the, this Packers team is squeaking by every week, and this might be the week that the Niners' Ooh. defense is just too good. That is this, a tough one.
0: This is a scary weekend of betting because you've got 7-7, seven and seven, basically. Lines are going to ju- move. A, you know, you might get a 7.5 on one. I mean, I think you said the Chiefs. Are the Chiefs 7.5 right now or just 7? Seven? 7.5 okay. is the opening line. I mean – I'm taking the Titans, no matter who they play at this point, until otherwise noted. Just their ability to run the ball to the extent that they do. Uh, they've, Like I said, they've won in Gillette Stadium. They've now gone in and run right over the Ravens. I mean, it's hard to bet against that team. So if we're picking right now, Jake Brown, gun to my head, Ravens plus the seven and a half. Titans, I, uh, excuse me, that's what I meant. Titans plus seven and a half. I will lay uh, the seven points with the 49ers.
1: So you're taking the Niners. I am. Okay, all day. I'm going to take Titans plus seven and a half as well. I'm going to buy the half point and take. You know, I'm <laughs> always learned. buying the half point. Uh, I bought it in the – it was minus – it was plus four Seahawks. I bought a half point because sometimes you have those weird four-point finishes. Yeah, yeah, Oh, it happened to be a weird five-point finish. <laughs> that rarely happens. Oh, uh I, I'll take the Packers plus seven and a half. I think both these games are going to come down to the wire, which what we want because we did have some clunkers. Uh, you know, the, the Texans game looked great, and then it ended up being 51-31 oh, blowout. What a T- weird uh, Titans, game. blowout. Uh, Vikings, you picked you pick them. You thought they had a shot. They, they got blown around. out. No, so ma'am. three out of four blowouts, the last game was the closest. So let's hope we get two good ones before we get that dumb week off of the oh, stupid Pro Bowl. stupid. That nobody that nobody of us wants are gonna to watch, watch the yeah. Pro Bowl. You I'd know, rather watch celebrities like in a Pro Bowl. Like, like Aaron Rodgers go uh, up against, like, Patrick watch, or something.
0: I'd rather watch a pro Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like a Michael Strahan bowling tournament over at Bolo. I'd rather watch that than actually just mailed in football. Yeah, or flag
1: football, like the Jerome Bettis commercial. Yeah. Bring that to life in a real game that so people silly. watch. Do we, uh, yeah, we don't have to do
0: a Pro Bowl podcast. Do you? Let's get the suits on Not the phone. Pro Bowl, no. Let's get won't. the suits on the Paul, phone. And- Paul
1: Graham might be rocking a suit, though. The newest <laughs> Giants defensive coordinator, who Paul Schwartz breaks down. The Giants here, before we finish this uh, open, going with kind of an – Inexperienced, well, in some listen, sense, because they got know. a thirtieth-ranked defense. Uh, defensive coordinator. We all know about that
0: here? airtight Dolphin defense
1: down there oh, in Miami. Yeah. He also had no talent, so let's give yeah, him that. Yeah, well, that team had no well
0: I got, I got news for him. He doesn't have any talent
1: here. Well, anyway. they, this is why I, I'm telling you, they need to get an offensive coordinator that has head coaching experience. I know you're like, oh, do you really want a failed head coach? I don't know. Being a head coach is still an accomplishment. If you weren't great, it's still an accomplishment. I like the idea of having
0: somebody that he can defer to. Like, you know how Joe Joe Torre had Don Zimmer, like a bench coach? Yeah. But I don't know that he needs to be a coordinator, but he needs to be a guy. Hey, who knows? Maybe a guy like, uh, you know, Tom Coughlin's always sniffing around the organization. Maybe we can have somebody like him up in the executive suites. He'll take, like, a phone a friend. Like, it's I'm, who wants to
1: be a millionaire. I'm curious to see Shermer though, with Drew Locke. That's going to be no. interesting because Drew Locke kind of showed, you know what, maybe he is the quarterback. They're going to yeah. give him a shot yeah. to be the answer can I tell
0: there. You I'm not curious about anything Shermer does. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just curious if he does any better. I all mean, right. you want to see
1: well, you want to see your former head coach, see what, what he does elsewhere. So. I guess. Uh, but
0: Paul Schwartz, he is well-versed in all things Giants, and he joins us now. Well, Giants head coach Joe Judge has yet to find an offensive coordinator, but we can scratch Pat Shermer off that list because he has just been hired by the Broncos. And joining us now to discuss that and all things Giants, the team's beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz, back on Blue Rush. Hello, Paul Schwartz.
2: Jimmy, uh, the Giants are done, but
0: Giants talk never ends, right? Never ever ends, Paul. It just keeps going. It's it's like, do you remember the Three Amigos, the singing bush, that bush that just keeps singing?
2: Well, the um, yeah, the Giants sang a pretty bad tune this year, though. But look, this is what happens. This is what happens in January when you lose your coach and you get a new coach. It's, you know, first it's the hiring cycle, and then it's the staff hiring cycle, and it goes on and on and on and. Then they start earlier, everything's earlier, you know, everything, the senior ball, the combined, everything is related to the Giants with the new coach and what he wants and the new players. You know, this is what happens. This is why losing teams get in this cycle of new, 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 and, you know, adjustments, adjustments. It uh, goes on and on.
0: Hey, could be worse. Could be Browns fans. They've done this six times in six years. So uh, at least, at least we're pacing ourselves a little bit by the standards of the Browns. But uh, let me ask you this. Uh, not, not that anybody thought Shermer was going to stick around and be our offensive coordinator. And as far as I'm concerned, good riddance, but are there any credence to these Jason Garrett rumors about him coming here to be the OC?
2: Um, not really. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it definitely won't happen, but what happened was there was confusion after the, um, after Joe judge was hired, there was a report that Jason Garrett was going to, the Giants requested permission from the Cowboys to interview Jason Garrett for the offensive coordinator job. That was a hundred percent false. That was uh, just bad information that was floating out there. What happened was the Giants, before they hired Joe Judge, put in a request to interview Jason Garrett for their head coaching job. Now, he was not high on their list, but they respect him. They like him. He was a backup quarterback for the Giants. So really more than a courtesy, but less of a, we want to hire this guy. They wanted Jason Garrett to be the last interview for their head coaching position. Uh, once they decided on Joe judge, they didn't need that. They cancel that request and somehow it got muddled into thinking that he was going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, It doesn't even seem like a great fit to me, to tell you the truth. And uh, I don't think it'll happen. But uh, John Mara likes Jason Garrett, so it's not out of the question.
0: Okay, how about a guy like Jim Caldwell? Is he in the hunt?
2: I don't know if he's in the hunt. But, you know, look, Joe Judge right now with his hiring so far is not predictable. You know, he kept the special teams coordinator, Thomas McGahee, who was probably the best coach on Pat Shermer's staff. That was a good move. And he's keeping... Tyke Tolbert, the receivers coach, another good coach. You know, Pat Shurmur did not have a good staff at all. So I think Joe Judge is looking at this staff and saying, who can I pluck from this staff that's good? I think he's got the two best guys. And then, you know, we'll talk about Patrick Graham, who was definitely an out-of-the-box hire. So, you know, a guy like Jim Caldwell certainly makes sense. But, um, you know, I don't know if Joe Judge is going to care about that. He's going to pick the guys that he wants.
0: Well, that's what's interesting because the Dolphins aren't exactly the steel curtain down there on defense. I believe they might've been 30th out of 32 teams. So what do you see in a guy like Graham that tells you he's going to write the ship here in New York?
2: Well, I know a little bit about Patrick Graham. He was here with the Giants for two years. Ben McAdoo hired him yeah, to be his uh, defensive line coach. He was a quiet guy. You know, he's a Yale guy, smart guy. I think he's from Hartford, Connecticut, um, somewhere, maybe Waterbury, someplace in Connecticut. And, you know, he was a defensive line coach. Um, Incredibly, he is, comes back after, he was with the Giants last in 2017, right? So you figure he has familiarity with some guys on the team. The only guy that was on the team then that will be on the team now on defense is Dalvin Tomlinson. One guy. That that shows how how things change and how they've gutted this roster. Uh, but he he you know he was a, a fine coach for McAdoo, But you know not a guy I looked at and say boy this guy's got some personality. He's a a leader of men. He is going to be a defensive coordinator. And you know so after Pat Shermer didn't want him back, uh, he spent 2018 as the linebackers coach and run game coordinator for the Packers, and then uh, Brian Flores who worked with. Graham in New England you know these guys hire guys that they know that's the way it works Jimmy you know you know that you know you hire guys you know he hired him to be his defensive coordinator they had a bad defense you know I have no idea if if Patrick Graham did a good job or a bad job last year all I know is he had a bad team and a bad defense and they were as you said 30th ranked defense so you know it's not it's not an in the box hire because Patrick Graham has one year of experience as a coordinator uh the the common thinking was you know Patrick Graham, uh, that um, uh, Joe judge was going to hire experienced season coordinators. This is not that.
1: Doesn't Joe judge need an experienced head coach on a staff, Paul? I mean, you talk about a rookie head coach, no head coaching experience, no coordinator experience. And right now he's surrounded guys who've also have never coached either. Don't you need kind of someone like a
2: Jim Caldwell to, to lead the way here? No, you don't. definitely don't need a, a former head coach on your team. You just need a, you know, but the, the I think for, Now, look, uh, Patrick Graham has been a defensive coordinator for one year, so he's done it one year, okay? Take or leave that. Now, offensive coordinator, I would be surprised if he doesn't pick a guy who has called plays in the NFL before. That would surprise me a great deal. You know what I mean? Now, it doesn't have to be a former head coach. You know, as we've seen, a lot of, you know, Pat Shermer is a former head coach at two stops and he's going to be going to Denver as an offensive coordinator. So you need an offensive coordinator. You know, a failed head coach is not necessarily what you need. Now, Caldwell is not really a failed head coach. He was an okay head coach. Um, but, But I don't think you need a former head coach. But I'd be surprised if Joe Judge doesn't bring in a guy who you can look at and say, okay, I get this. He's got a track record. He's been a good offensive coordinator. He's a guy who really showed that he can call plays in the NFL if he doesn't do that then you got to look and say wow Joe Judge is really confident in his ability to get these guys and put together a staff even though there's no skins on the wall so to speak is there any
0: world where his old running mate Josh McDaniels comes down here because I know Belichick has had like an adverse reaction to McDaniels interviewing around the league Josh McDaniels comes to the Giants to do what Maybe if he would if he would have come down and come down and join the staff from the Patriots, is there any world where that's a possibility or no? Because I was reading yesterday that the Browns thing has kind of come and gone on him, but that he's possibly considering leaving New England. I should find the article so I can cite it. But is there any world where they want to stay together or did they not have that relationship in New England? I know I don't know much about that one.
2: Oh, I'd be shocked if Josh McDaniels would leave New England for a lateral position to coach, you know, with the Giants. Yeah, with with a – no, no, just think of it for a second. He is waiting in line there for Bill Belichick to retire so he can presumably take that job. Why would he want to come to a Giants team with Joe Judge, who's 38 38 years old, who has a five-year contract? Uh, The ownership has already said we have to be more patient. There is no pathway to a head coaching job with the Giants behind Joe Judge for Josh McDaniel. So no, I I um um there are realms in in the universe. I don't know if there's um if there's one where that would happen though.
0: Okay. The only you know though I brought it up because I was reading reports yesterday that he had initially agreed with the Browns. There was that floating around. And you know, as an offensive coordinator on the Patriots if there was bad blood with Belichick, I guess is why I was asking you that. Because if he was on the verge of leaving, didn't leave now he's back under that umbrella. I don't know if Belichick is, you know, a fan of his.
2: So a guy can dream. I think he's a fan of his because he's had him calling plays for a long time. Um, you know, the interesting thing with Josh McDaniels also is, you know, it's he's a bit of a myth in my mind. He's a failed head coach. He's an offensive guru, right, in one system. Uh, you know, and, and look, I'm not criticizing what he's done in New England with, with the Patriots offense, uh, even though this year the Patriots offense was not very good. But, you know, Josh McDaniels kind of, is this guy up on this on this cliff you know and everyone says oh Josh McDaniels and he's always a candidate now he had the Colts job and bailed okay so badly that the longtime agent Bob Lamont fired him as a client and said my, my word is my bond and we gave the Colts our word that you're going to be the coach there and you're turning their back I will not represent you anymore so you know and now now everywhere he goes, he he interviews or he doesn't interview or he's in the mix and he's not in the mix. I mean, you know, at some point people are going to stop asking about Josh McDaniels, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and, and you know what we found like, with the other coaches, and we've discussed this, is I think the Patriots' success is more attributable to Belichick than anybody realizes because everybody leaves that team and goes downhill. So I don't really, you know, that's why I wasn't so excited about Joe Judge to begin with. But as the optimistic voice on this show that's supposed to be talking New Yorkers off the side of the George Washington Bridge, I like to dream from time to time, Paul Schwartz. But, uh, hey, this was another banner appearance by you. So maybe the team didn't quite go to the playoffs, but I feel like we've been playing good ball all year long.
2: Well, it's, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, right, not what we want to talk about, right? Maybe some year we'll do a Blue Rush podcast and we'll be talking about the Giants gearing up for the NFC Championship game as You talked about realms, right? Not in this realm, right? Maybe another realm, but not in this realm.
0: Well, right now they're gearing up. They're buying new TVs. They're ordering wings and pizza. You know, they're, they're doing a different type of preparation. But yeah, maybe next week we'll have you watch The Irishman and we'll do an Irishman podcast. How about that?
2: I'll try to. Yes, I would like to do that. Uh, it, it takes about a week to watch it, right?
0: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got to get started now. We should be good to go next Monday.
1: Thanks a lot, Paul Schwartz. Great one.
2: All right, Jimmy, take care. Joining us now on Blue
1: Rush is legendary Super Bowl winning head coach. You remember him when he coached the Rams to a Super Bowl. You remember him leading the Chiefs to the playoffs and the Chiefs now on their way to the AFC Championship against the Titans. It is the great Dick Vermeil. Dick, appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing?
3: I'm doing fine, thank you. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. We'll say it. This is maybe the last week we could say it, two weeks into the year. But a big year because the Kansas City Chiefs, are back to the AFC Championship, Dick, and Andy Reid looking to get over that hump and looking to take the Chiefs to their first Super Bowl in, would you believe it, 50 years. How about these Chiefs coming back from a monster 24-0 deficit, putting up 51? This offense is electric, Dick.
3: I'll tell you, sitting and watching that game, I could hardly drink my wine. It was (laughs) really frightening, you know, to see those things happen the explosion of negative plays for them in the kicking game, the block punt, the fumble punt return, 14 points right there. I mean, it was devastating. And the way they came back was uh, just spectacular. You know, it's been done before, they said. You know, and in Buffalo, I think it was one year. But uh, I, I i don't know. I, I've ever seen anything like that in the second quarter of a football game in my career.
1: And Andy Reid, this guy, he's won a Super Bowl but not as a head coach. And this is really his chance to get there and win one, how good would you feel here for Andy Reid if he's got the shot? I mean, he's got it set up. He's going up against a six seed. I know everyone's underestimated the Titans, but this is really his chance to kind of right his wrongs of the past as a head coach and finally get that coveted title as a head coach.
3: Well, I agree that you can say that, but you know, when you went over 200 games like he had, what that was, 220-something wins, he hasn't done anything wrong. He just hasn't finalized great seasons, and that's so hard to do. But I look at it, they wouldn't have gotten where they were if he hadn't done a Hall of Fame-caliber coaching job rather than he failed because he didn't win it all. So, you know, it just depends on how you want to evaluate. He's a great football coach, a great human being. uh, And uh, I think they have probably the best chance to win it all now than they've ever had, but it will not be easy. That Tennessee football team can play the old-fashioned game, and it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, and Derrick Henry's been the new beast mode. He's been running the ball like crazy, and he's hard to bring down. And you're right, Andy Reid has had an incredible career, but just getting there with a franchise that hasn't been there in half a century would really be special for that team. And you know, well, it took you a while, but you finally got over the hump and got to the championship and won the Super Bowl in the 99-2000 season with the Rams. How special was that for your career just to get over that hump and win one and how incredible that Super Bowl was and how it played out?
3: Well, you know, you can just imagine. Everything is extremely dramatic in your careers by the time it happens in your career. When I won a high school championship game at Hillsdale High School in 1960 on Thanksgiving Day 12 to 7, that was a Super Bowl to me. You know, a few years later, we win the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, beat the number one team in the country. That was equivalent to a Super Bowl to me. Uh, Winning the NFC Championship against the Cowboys in 1980 was equivalent to a Super Bowl for me. Uh, losing one is a downer, yes, but you have to respect the fact that it takes the same thing to get there and lose as it does to get there and win. You've got to get there. And, and then going there and winning it, at a, you know, a much older person, much more mature coach with a great coaching staff and some five Hall of Fame caliber football players in the offense, uh, you have a good chance to win. And that's so exhilarating. You know, it's, as I said at the time, it's hard to really explain. You know what? Uh, how that experience matches seeing your first child born, or being with your first grandchild, or, or going to see your your first grandchild get married. These things—they're all unbelievable emotional experiences—and the Super Bowl has to right right up there in the top.
1: And you were part of two franchises that are considered some of the best fan bases, some of the most passionate fan bases in sport sports. When we talk about Kansas City and Philadelphia. How cool was it for you with that Eagles franchise, just as a franchise that has struggled to win a lot, they finally won that Super Bowl a few years ago, but to take them to that, that moment and get over the top and the whole the the, middle, the miracle of the Meadowlands and then getting to a Super Bowl in 1980 and the stories and the invincible movie that came out of it, just everything top to bottom in Philly, that had to have been special for you in
3: 1980. Oh, it was. It's a great sense of accomplishment a great sense of appreciation for the opportunity and the people you're surrounded by, you know, I was always a believer that players win games, not coaches. It's coach's job to help your players win. And, you know, we tried to coach the complete player, both on and off the field. And it really paid off for us for there. Because if you remember, we didn't have a first, second, or third round pick my first year there, and they had been losing. We didn't have a first, second, or third round pick my second year, and they had been losing my third year. We didn't have a first and second. That's eight unbelievable quality players that we weren't able to draft to add to a losing roster and end up in the super bowl five years later my players really worked they really developed the, to the maximum the skills they had my coaching staff did a great job my management team jimmy murray the owner leonard toast they yeah. all did a great job and of course the head coach reached most of the reward. but it it was a whole nfl family that built that championship
1: Dick Vermeule on the Blue Rush Podcast. Dick, you turned around teams. You talk about the did of have the draft picks. You turned around teams that were bad, and you turned them into winners. Can you take us through as a head coach that transition of taking a team from, you know, a lottery pick, a top-five pick, or a team that didn't have a pick in the Eagles, and trying to write that script and turn it around? I have to imagine, one, it's difficult, and two, got to be patient. It takes time.
3: Yeah, and you've got to have the kind of ownership that will respect the process. You know, every new head coach that I talk to that's never been a head coach in the NFL, I said number one guy to coach is the owner. Make sure he understands what you're doing and why you're doing it. Don't waste time talking to people that don't make a difference. Make sure he's on the same page with you all the time. That yeah. You know, uh, (laughs) uh, I, I you know I would much rather take over a winning team and keep them winning. It's easier. I'd like to believe if you, you had the ability to take over losing teams and put them in Super Bowls, you sure as hell could have done the same thing with winning teams. You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's a process. And, and I think you've got to have a great leadership staff with you. They all understand people. They all understand how to motivate. They all understand how to develop. They all understand how to work. The first thing you've got to teach all people, that hard work is not a form of punishment. It's a solution. And see, today in the NFL, you can't do that. The, the practice sessions and the amount of pads and contact is all controlled by the players you need. So it's much harder today than when I was there. If I want to stay out, work for three hours with full pads twice a day, I could do it. Can't do that anymore. But that, you know, the, there, there's no correlation between working less and getting better, especially when you're not any good. So, uh, uh yeah, those days uh, in that time, I had more opportunities uh, to do it than they do now. And I always believed in, in, uh, building a, um, a, a community within a football culture. Uh, get everybody involved. Get the ticket salesmen involved. Get the administrative assistants involved. Get the, uh, get the uh, doctor staff. Get the trainers. Get the equipment guys. Get the, the janitors. Get everybody involved. So they feel when they come to work, this is the little city they live in, and we come here for one purpose, to win it all.
1: And you brought up some great points, including the fact that a lot has changed with practice in the players' union. You wouldn't be able to coach in today's game, I feel like. Your style would not work because of everything that has changed. If a team said, and with all the coaching turnover, if a team said, hey, Dick, uh, you want to come back and you know lead the Cleveland Browns, what, what do you say back?
3: Well, I, I'd say uh, you know I, I never thought I could outsmart somebody, but I also thought I could outwork them. It's the way I was raised and what I believed. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're only head coach uh, for 15 years in the NFL. You should have coached longer. Well, I also coached head coach in high school. I also coached head coach in junior college. I also coached head coach in a major university, Division One, And those games meant every, much, meant every much to me at that time in my career as NFL games did to me later on in my career. So, you know, it's a draining, draining, hardworking job. But uh, you just got to be careful and control your passion, which I didn't do a good job of.
1: From 82 to 97, you went into broadcasting. What inspired you to come back? And did did you miss the game during that time? Was was there a part of you itching to get back to coaching on the sidelines?
3: Yes. You know, I took a long time to do it, and I had opportunities. And I turned down some very good jobs. And I'm not bragging about it, but I I just wasn't confident that i I could be what i was when i was at my best and later i just said you know if i don't go back now i never will and the st louis rams los angeles rams had offered me that job before and i never took it i had worked for them as a young assistant i knew the ownership in georgia uh, frontier you know i knew john shaw i knew jay sigmund i trusted those people and when they came after me the last time i said Dick, you better get off your ass and go to work.
1: That Rams team, man, I mean, Kurt Warner really came out of nowhere and took over, and he took over for an injured Trent Green, who you would reunite with in Kansas City and lead to a 13-3 season with some names like Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson and all that. those guys. How incredible was that? I mean, Kurt Warner stepped in, and nobody had heard of the guy, and then you look at him, and he becomes a Hall of Famer overnight. I mean, what he did and what that offense did I mean that's to tell you. I mean I hate to age you, but I was nine when that happened. That was the first real year I got into football, and I always remember Kevin Dyson being one yard short, and um, that that was the first year I got into it. And that was one hell of a Super Bowl. But I mean, this guy Kurt Warner takes over and just takes the league by storm.
3: Yeah, well, credit to him. And yeah, you know, you know, if you were in New York and did something like that as a coach, they consider you as a genius. When you're in St. Louis, they say you're lucky. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I had a hunch. I had a hunch about this guy. Mike Marks had a hunch about this guy. Al Saunders had a hunch about this guy. You know, Jim Hannafin had a hunch about this guy. Wilbert Montgomery. We all pooled our thoughts. It's said, darn it. Let's go with him. You know, we, we're a good football team. We can win. None of us knew we could win like we did until you put him in, uh, you know, put him in action. He, he was equivalent to a Medal of Honor winner in football that some guy in the second world war a lot of guys that won the medal of honor were not predicted to win it they just did it kurt warner is one of those guys
1: yeah it was it was tremendous to watch that speaking of hall of fame fame you're in the eagles ring of honor you're in the st louis football ring of honor jimmy johnson and bill cowher get voted in as part of the centennial class they aired it on tv you see jimmy johnson crying emotional moment you're on the list as well. Uh, how big would it be for you if you got in this year, if not next year, uh, as kind of checking that off your, uh, your bucket list to get in the Hall of Fame?
3: Well, you know, I'm in other Hall of Fames, and they never changed my life in any way. You go on and you appreciate it because you know how many people helped you earn those opportunities to be in those kind of Hall of Fames. Jimmy Johnson echoed that so nicely and precisely. last night on television. Both guys deserving. Uh, if it happens to me somewhere down the road, great. If it doesn't, it's not going to change my life in any way, you know.
1: <laughs> you you don't look at that as being like an important accomplishment, like Jimmy Johnson said. It, it meant everyone acknowledged me. It feels really good. Is that not as important to you?
3: No. What's important to me is what we did. What we did. You know, I can't go back and win any more games. I can't go back and lose any more games. Uh, you know, you appreciate it. Uh, i I would be ecstatic i'd be every bit as emotional as jimmy johnson and and i would be just as reflective as jimmy was uh, you get there on the shoulders of a lot of wonderful people
1: listen i think you're going to get in and i'm excited the day that it happens because you definitely deserve it i appreciate
3: that and you know and i'll I'll thank you when it happens and i thank you for saying it now
1: of course and before we let you go i mean let's let's get into this game i mean titans uh, titans chiefs you got the hard-nosed run game versus the passing attack of Patrick Mahomes. Do you think the Chiefs uh, move on here and Andy Reid gets to the Super Bowl?
3: I think the odds are that they're going to win the game, but I don't think it'll be easy. If they turn the ball over in this game and the kicking, they will lose. This is a good defensive football team. Uh, Andy's defense against the run is not great. They better get the big defensive tackle that didn't play yesterday back. If they don't have him, they may not be able to stop the run. They may need – and in that situation – they may not get the ball back and they may not be able to score 24 points in one quarter. But uh, this Tennessee team is impressive. Extremely well coached, extremely well disciplined, extremely well put together in terms of attitude and commitment and intensity. Uh, I'm very impressed. I, to me, he's the coach of the year in the NFL this year, and along with Mike Shanahan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably the Super Bowl we're going to see. I mean, how great would it be? I mean, Chiefs. Niners, the high-octane offense versus that defense and Bosa and all those guys on that Niners' defense, I mean, that, is, that makes you salivate as a, as a former coach, right?
3: Yeah, you bet. I respect the jobs that all those guys did, believe me. And Andy Reid, it's time. He's coached too long, too hard, too well not to win one.
1: Oh, we all want him to win. And Dick Vermeil, you were a winner on and off the field, a Super Bowl champion, a college champion, high school, junior college. You did it all. We're looking forward to the day you're in the Hall of Fame. Appreciate you coming on the podcast.
3: Well, you know something, thank you for being so well prepared. Take care.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing another stellar effort. Listen to all episodes of Blue Rush by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting newyorkpost.com. See you next Monday following Championship Weekend.